When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the podcast which brings you the news before it becomes news, as well as insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I'm Nimigarian, with me as always is Duncan Castles, the transfer meister, I think he prefers to be called these days, uh, because guru apparently is not appropriate. Uh, however, today we will be talking about lots and lots of news with regards to particular subjects who are that are moving in uh, football right now. Uh, we will be talking PSG. We will also be speaking about Monaco, Juventus, Real Madrid as well as Manchester United, Manchester City, Arsenal. Ah, the list just goes on, so I'm not even going to bother completing it because you will listen and you will learn and you will hear, we hope, because that's what we do. Missing out Celtic in your own club, is that because they missed out on the title last season? We don't talk about Celtic anymore. (laughs) They're not relevant. (laughs) However... Kylian Mbappe is very relevant, Duncan. We reported last week, of course, on Liverpool's interest in the France international striker, as well as of his future, um, whether or not he will join Real Madrid or whether indeed he will choose to go somewhere else beforehand. It seems to be the case, uh, and Duncan has information, I understand, with regards to the fact that Mbappe has been misled by the Qatari owners of PSG uh, on the f- uh, basis of what his future uh, will hold regarding um, him leaving the club or indeed staying. He has one year left on his current contract at the Parc des Princes and uh, he's being held to that. Um, PSG's chairman has said that they will not uh, and certainly not be tempted to sell him this summer despite the fact they would lose out on a substantial transfer fee for a player who can run his contract down and indeed sign a pre-contract in January. Duncan, this is one of the most intriguing stories, I think, of this window with regards to where Mbappe ends up and whether or not it's this window or the next window Um January stroke or next summer when he leaves Paris what seems to be certain is that he will not be at PSG the season after this. Yes that is the the information coming from people close to Kylian Mbappe and an important additional piece of information given that this has been a subject of discussion for well over a year now Um, Mbappe does not see the rest of his career being spent at Paris Saint-Germain. Um, Real Madrid, as we have reported for months, um, have prioritised his signing 
um, Florentino Perez wants to build a new team around it. Um, he'd also like to recruit Erling Haaland um, to, to to play alongside him. There is an opportunity, Real Madrid believe, to get this deal done this summer, but they're waiting for a decision, um, a final decision from Nasr al-Khalifi, uh, or more importantly from the Qatar um, Emirate, um, who Nasser represents in their ownership of, of PSG as to whether they will allow Mbappe to leave this summer, hold him to his contract um, for the final year um, or and then lose him in a year's time. The important bit of information that I, that's been passed on to me is that when Mbappe decided to sign for Paris Saint-Germain in 2017 after a, a stellar season at Monaco, he had um, two very strong options, one Real Madrid and one Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, both offered Monaco the 180 million euro transfer fee that uh, PSG eventually ended up paying, um, albeit in a convoluted fashion to attempt to bypass financial fair play to Monaco. Mbappe decided to go against going to Madrid at that time for various reasons, basically a career development one. He didn't feel it was the right time to move to Spanish football. He felt um, that there might be too much sense of expectation on him to be the next Cristiano Ronaldo who was preparing to leave Madrid. Um, and he felt it would be better to stay in French football in the league he knew. Um, close to his family, in fact, moving closer to his family in Paris and back to the city where he was born. All of these things he communicated to Paris Saint-Germain, I'm told at the point of signing for the club, that I have the option here to go to Real Madrid. I am choosing you not because I don't want to play for Real Madrid, but because this is not the right time in my career to play for Real Madrid. However, the deal on the basis on which I'm coming is five-year contract and after four years I will be allowed to leave for a substantial transfer fee that you will receive from Real Madrid um, to take up that opportunity to play in Spanish football. And the guidance I have is that that was essentially a gentleman's agreement. Um, it, was a, it was discussed with PSG PSG said, that's fine. We take you on that basis. No clause was written into the contract because French club contracts are not allowed to include clauses. But the strong understanding was this was a, you know, a bond that would not be broken. It would be respected when the time came um, and Mbappe would be allowed to go. Fast forward to this season. We reported several months ago that Mbappe had informed PSG that he wanted to leave the club um, and wanted to leave this summer. And basically they had the option, which was take a transfer fee as originally agreed or um, see him leave the club for nothing in, in a year's time under freedom of contract. Um, discussions have been ongoing. Um, we've seen PSG talk about it and, and say that they, they were confident of renewing the contract and say that, I mean, Nasser said after signing Lionel Messi that Mbappe had no choice but to remain with what was the best squad in the world, in Nasser's opinion, the one he'd built by bringing, 
these players in um, this summer um, and that he would be held to the contract. Mbappe is prepared to deal with that, but he has, I'm told, made it clear to Nasser that um, his position has not changed because of Messi's signing. This was his position before Messi's signing, remains his position after Messi's signing. He, I'm told, has told Nasser, look, you're breaking an agreement we made um, when I came to this club. Um, if that's your choice, that is fine. Uh, that, but recognize it's your choice and you're breaking an agreement you made and recognize that I will join under freedom of contract the club I choose to go to in January um, when I am legally permitted to negotiate with them. So your decision is, as to which way you want it to go. Um, but my decision is to leave Paris Saint-Germain and I would prefer to do it now. That, I think, tells you why Real Madrid are, are watching this situation. They, as, as we said in the last podcast, believe that Mbappe's decision is to go to Madrid, regardless of discussions he's had with Liverpool, which you detailed, Ian, and, and Liverpool's belief that they can convince the player to come under freedom of contract in a year's time. Madrid believe the player will come to them. Um, they are waiting for Nasser to give a final decision to Mbappe as to whether he will sell this summer. If that green light is given, they will discuss a contract <coughs> with Mbappe and then make um, formal offers to Paris Saint-Germain uh, to transfer the player before the current transfer window concludes. If they can't do that, they wait until January and do the deal then and take PSG out of the equation. What kind of fee are we talking about here, Duncan, with regards to a player like Mbappe, who clearly is uh, one of the best uh, in world football right now? Um, they've obviously uh, signed up Leo Messi um, on a very expensive contract. Uh, I, I guess the offset would be if they did sign, uh, sorry, if they did sell Mbappe to Madrid, then they could um, and justify in terms of FFP the um, money they're paying in contract to Messi, which is in excess of 1 million euros per week. He's got one year left. He's a very young player. Um, probably his value would be, le well, it would be less than 180 million euros that was paid originally to Monaco uh, for the player's transfer in 2017. Would it make a lot of difference? Because let's face it, you know, as we know, Qatar is a nation state which owns Paris Saint-Germain and is willing to invest. And of course, they have the World Cup to host in around 17, 18 months time and therefore want to be seen to be one of the major players in world football ahead of that particular event. I get the feeling that perhaps they would rather keep him and then allow him to leave on a free transfer on the basis that they don't lose face because uh, they're not willing to sell their prized asset, uh, that instead that decision is taken out of their hands and therefore they don't need to justify uh, the fact that he is leaving the club. This isn't a financial matter. That's what I keep being told. Um by people involved in the situation that Mbappe's decision is not based on material 
concerns. Um, obviously, PSG have offered him a very substantial contract, long-term contract to stay at the club. Um, he's rejected those offers. I'm told it's less, the, the offer from PSG is less than the money they're paying Messi and less than the money they're paying Neymar. But repeatedly, I'm told the factor involved here is not finance. Mbappe is not chasing the biggest contract. He has a kid career development plan. That career development plan does not involve spending the best years of his career at Paris. He always wanted to play in Spain. Um, he has an interest in playing in the in the Premier League as well. At some point, um, he's making the decision on where he wants to play, the best place to play. Um, he's not happy with the sporting direction of the club. He doesn't get on well with the sports director, Leonardo. There are a lot of elements in it, but from, from his point of view, it's always underlined to me, this is not about finance. It's not that PSG can buy his um, submission to a new contract by just offering him more and more money. And I think from Qatar's point of view, it's not about money either. Um, they have the money, as you say, to invest. They have managed to work themselves into a position in, in European football of immense strength um, via some clever politicking over the Super League. They were important in UEFA President Alexander Chefrin's ability to stop the Super League from happening. You immediately see Nasser taking on a, a uh, well, the highest role in the European Club Association in place of um, they ousted Andrea Agnelli, who um, was one of the main leaders of, of that Super League campaign. They bought the World Cup. Um, they basically bought French League football. They want to buy the Champions League. That's what the summer transfer window has been about, building a team that, as Nasser put it, not just wins every competition, but wins every single game. That's his stated aim. Um they want to be in control of the situation. I think that is the biggest difficulty for Mbappe, um, that there's a feeling that regardless of that agreement that was made in order to get him to come to the club, that Qatar and Nasser now feel that they own his rights, at least for another year, and they can decide what they want to do with him. And if it suits their interest to retain him at the club for that extra year, then they'll go ahead and do it. And they're not worried about missing out on um, a potential transfer fee, which would not be 180 million euros. You're right about that. Um, for the sake of uh, financial fair play organization, because financial fair play is disappearing. UEFA are proposing a, a switch to a, a salary cap system, which will obviously benefit clubs who can push um, extra revenue onto their books uh, through uh, sponsors from the, their their own state. It's a serious treble to buy World Cup, Champions League and French League as well. well actually, you said French football. They just bought French football. <laughs> <laughs> Sensational. I mean, really, if you can afford it, why not? Um, from Madrid's point of view, um, if they have to wait a year for Mbappe, which is not going to be a particular handicap given his uh, youth. Uh, and then, of course, we know that uh, Erling Haaland will be available for 75 million euros come next summer in terms of his release clause from Borussia Dortmund. It, 
effectively, that's a hell of a strike force from Madrid for 75 million euros <laughs> in terms of fees, obviously not in terms of salary, but certainly in terms of fees. I mean, that is, you're, you're looking at buying, you know, in excess of 60, maybe even 70 goals a season. If it works, yes. That, I mean, that that's the idea. <laughs> yeah, Erling Haaland's uh, particular personality default is not necessarily going to work with regards to Mbappe, who is very much a team player in Haaland, as we know and have discussed is quite selfish. Something which is currently bubbling under the surface, Duncan. Uh, you have information on a very talented young defensive midfielder, Aurelian Giucameni, uh, who currently plays for Monaco and is interesting. Uh, Juventus and also Manchester United with regards to a move probably and possibly in this summer window. Yeah, look, Chimini is regarded as one of the best midfielders in French football, 21 years of age, um, centre point of the Monaco team last season, 36 Ligue games, two goals, four assists, a defensive midfielder, but also played box to box. Um, already a France under 21 international, waiting for a call up to the full national team. One of those players who has the interest of all the top clubs in European football. Um, Juventus, I'm told, are particularly prominent and have been discussing terms. Um, he is an alternative for Manuel Locatelli, um, who has been their, their principal target in midfield, but they, they like the player a lot. Manchester United very much falls within their scouting remit um, the targeting of that kind of younger cadre of players who can develop into top stars has, has been more of a focus in recent years he is an obvious fit for Manchester United if the change in midfield happens that we've been talking about for so long which is that Paul Pogba doesn't sign a new contract at United or is sold this summer um, again most likely avenue for that to happen is Paris Saint-Germain at present um, then you bring in Chumini who will certainly be much lower maintenance than Pogba should be more consistent in his performance I and mean, Pogba had a sensational game at the weekend but uh, I think it tells you a lot about Pogba's uh, standards at Manchester United and that he managed to deliver more assists in one match against Leeds United uh, than he did in the entirety of last season and, and it's being seen as a sign that um, he's ready to uh, take Manchester United to the title when um, that game was one that suits Pogba very well and that Leeds United went into it playing the same system they did last season when they lost 6 to Old Trafford which is that man marking um, high intensity game and which suits Solskjaer's um, fluid attack it's uh, perfect for a system where you have Pogba drifting in off the left wing and Bruno Fernandes coming in and working as a central striker and, and you saw the way it, uh, it flummoxed Leeds um, but if they have that space in their squad created by Pogba, then Chumini is one of the options to replace. He would be cheaper than individuals like Declan Rice, who've been mentioned as, as options for them. 
um, told Monaco value him at around 40 million euros. But there's an important element here in that Monaco play Shakhtar Donetsk this week in the Champions League playoffs. Um, if they go through, they go into the Champions League group stages. Obviously, that puts a lot of extra money in their pocket and uh, means that it would make sense for them to retain Chumini unless they get a very big offer for him this summer. If they go out, then there's an expectation that that price might drop. And if one of those suitors can find the cash to satisfy Monaco, we might see deal happen um, before the end of this window. Certainly uh, the people around Chumini are watching carefully um, to see if one of the many clubs have asked about him will come up with a number that Monaco are happy with. It does remain an information here at the Transfer Window podcast that uh, Pogba and his agent, Mino Raiola, have continued to refuse the invitation of Manchester United to discuss a new contract for the player who is out of contract one year from now, uh, thus, of course, making him free to sign a pre-contract agreement in January if he should decide to do so. Um, Pogba himself remains unconvinced uh, by the United project in terms of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's management. And uh, we know that he has uh, ambitions to play uh, in La Liga uh, and most specifically for Real Madrid, who, of course, again, as in their pursuit of Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland, uh, would be very happy to see him walk through the door for free uh, next summer, given the current financial uh, regulations and also problems in La Liga, um, of which uh, not just Madrid but Barcelona even more so are currently falling foul of uh, with regards to FFP. Um, talking of Real Madrid, uh, Duncan, um, Martin Odegaard, uh, once seen as uh, the darling of uh, European football in terms of being a young talent uh, who obviously spent some time on loan at Arsenal last season appears to be marketed by Madrid in order that they can make other signings this summer. Chances of returning to Arsenal? Do we think that there's a possibility that they can come up with the kind of money that Madrid are looking for in terms of fee stroke wages for the player? Well, Udegaard went back to Madrid wanting to play and thinking that it, there was a possibility this season to establish himself in the team. Um, the guidance I'm getting from Madrid is that Carlo Ancelotti does not favour him and, and will play other playmakers and other um, creative midfielders ahead of him. Um, and the message seems to have reached Udegaard that uh, there's not going to be as much playing time as he hoped there would be. There is obviously a strong interest from Arsenal. They tried to um, secure him earlier in the window. Um, and there is obviously a big problem at Arsenal um, and a lot of pressure on them to to bring players in. Uh, some interesting conversations being had, some interesting proposals being put together. One of those is uh, a swap deal, um, Philippe Coutinho, um, moving 
out of Barcelona to Arsenal and uh, one of Alexander Lacazette or Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang um, going in the other direction to Barcelona. Um, I think it says quite a lot about the state of both clubs that that type of deal is even being considered at present um, that Lacazette and Aubameyang both out of the Arsenal team continue persona non grata at Barcelona. Barcelona want a number nine and they're scouring the market for something they can do which would involve a big name um, and uh, and see the opportunity that because Arteta is not happy with those two players um, and my guidance is that should Arsenal put in a significant offer to Real Madrid for Udegaard, uh, Florentino Perez would be happy to bank that cash and put it towards the Mbappé deal, whether it is a transfer fee deal this summer or whether it is a part of his signing on fee um, for a deal he agrees in January. Blues being sacked, Duncan, is not something which happens very often because obviously they are assets to any club in terms of their value in a transfer fee um, and a negotiation. But Samuel Mtiti appears to be on the brink of losing his status in terms of his contract. And do you have information on that? Yeah, it's just um, it's something that Barcelona have been floating for a while that uh, they might use Spanish employment law to dismiss um, players rather than, than pay them off. And uh, the word I'm hearing from Barcelona is they're getting close to doing that with Umtiti, who's a player they were they were trying to set up for very substantial fees to the Premier League um, not that long ago. Um, it's just another example of the of the state that Barcelona are in and why they're trying to work on these kind of deals for for players like Obama Yang and Lacazette who are overpaid and and unwanted at Arsenal um, and obviously with Arsenal you've got to talk if they do manage to shift one or two of these strikers out who do they bring in as a as a replacement because um they tried with Tammy Abraham um, and have lost him to Roma. Uh, Josie Mourinho's intervention to talk directly to the striker had an effect. Um, I think there was also an effect that Roma increased their salary offer to Abraham. Um, guidance I have is it went to around €5 million Euros net per season to the, uh, the England international uh, to get him to come and uh, and did the deal with Chelsea um, for a guaranteed consideration of €40 million Euros, um, uh, with some performance-related variables, with a sell-on clause and quite importantly with Chelsea also holding a, a buyback clause um, from 2023 at 80 million euros. Roma did save some money um, by letting in Zeko go to Inter and Zeko was on higher wages than Abraham. Um, but it's uh, that I think is a very interesting and important move in what Mourinho is doing at Roma because bringing English players out of the Premier League isn't easy. They had to work hard to convince Abraham to come. Abraham has a huge amount of ability and has been seen as a as a striker who can turn into a top number nine. But I think it's important that both Frank Lampard and Thomas Tuchel worked with the player 
and then came to the conclusion that he wasn't the best option for them at Chelsea. So you're working with someone who's been rejected by two coaches um, who, as you've told us, is known as something of a difficult personality, um, a difficult individual to, to handle. I think with Mourinho, when you get those kind of marriages, they tend to work either spectacularly well or very badly. Um, and what you can be sure is that Abraham at Roma is not going to be surrounded by the level of talent that he was surrounded at at Chelsea, which may turn out to be a good thing. Um, maybe he rises to that um, surrounding and takes on uh, more authority and more responsibility. Or um, he gets disappointed by the, the level of service he's being provided and, um, and the pressure comes back on him and the manager quickly. Well, from what I'm told, Duncan, I'm betting on very badly, but, you know, I'm there to be proven wrong on that particular one with regards to Tammy Abraham. I do think it's ironic uh, that they are including a buyback clause, Chelsea, that is, in Abraham's deal to Roma when they purchased Romelu Lukaku uh, for 18 million euros and have since uh, bought him back for 115 million euros um, after him moving to Everton, Manchester United and Inter Milan. It's like, uh, where do you learn your lessons? Uh, come on, Marina, shape up your game. The English Premier League uh, is back. And at the weekend, we had the uh, melodrama, which included uh, the fact that Harry Kane was not involved in the uh, contest against his suitors, Manchester City, for Tottenham Hotspur, who fielded, this is City that is, one of the most expensive teams in the history of the English game. Uh, £530 million was the estimated cost of the first 11, plus £300 million on the bench. Uh, this regardless of the fact that they lost 1-0 uh, to Spurs under their new manager, Nuno Espirito Santo. And of course, the Harry Kane saga continues to rumble on, which we will talk about in uh, a little bit of time. But first of all, Duncan, Pep Guardiola, his tactics, the fact that City did not look on it if you like, with regards to the way that they approached the game, seemed uh, to be a slightly concerning if you're a Manchester City fan. Look, it's the first time that Guardiola team has lost on the opening day since 2008, so it's unusual. Um, we saw Manchester City last season have a terrible period, which they came back from in um, unprecedented style. So... I wouldn't be too worried about one um, bad day from a club that has superior resources to anyone else. I, as we mentioned in the last podcast, I think more of the element of importance here is can Guardiola get them back-to-back titles? He often talks about how difficult it is to repeat when you've been in a winning position. He has a number of players who are not particularly happy where they are. He has players who want to leave or are open to leaving. Um, He's publicly stated that Bernardo Silva wants to leave and perhaps we can see Bernardo Silva going to Tottenham 
um, as part of that Harry Kane deal. That's something that uh, Bernardo is open to considering. Um, should the clubs come to an agreement over a transfer fee. Um, but ultimately, Guardiola is going to be working with the, the best resourced team. Um, and if he get, has his way, he adds not only arguably the best creative player in the Premier League last season, Jack Grealish, to the squad. That's already done. But um, definitely the best centre forward in the league last season to his squad. Can I just debate the fact that Grealish was not the best player in the Premier League last season? Just saying, just not best ever. <laughs> best diver, yes, but not not the best player. But the point is, <laughs> to to if you if you had your choice of two of the top players in the division to strengthen a squad that had already um, won the league, then. Those are the players that Guardiola chose. Those are the players that Abu Dhabi and Manchester City are going after. The only thing stopping it happening is Daniel Levy. Daniel Levy is the only man who can prevent Harry Kane from going to the champions um, for a uh, British record transfer fee. Let's put it that way. As, as straightforward as it comes. Harry Kane wants to leave. Harry Kane is trying desperately to make that deal happen. Um, one man stands in the way of it happening um, yet you have Guardiola before the game um, talking about how they could only afford to do Jack Grealish because they'd made 60 million in transfers talking about how the financial fair play elements that people were complaining about were things that happened back in 2014 um, basically challenging people like Jurgen Klopp who um, whose statement about Manchester United spending, Chelsea spending and Manchester City spending was turned into a question that provoked Guardiola's response, but challenging them to take uh, Manchester City to court um, again over financial fair play and, and um, the adherence to football regulations. He His statement, Guardiola's, was we were always being regulated for financial play um, and what happened happened and we are there, we are on the same page like everyone. And after that, if one club wants to spend more than the other one, which club decides what they want to do. And if we are wrong, okay, prove it. We go. And that's all. Um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's fascinating to see Guardiola stand in this way that we have broken FFP because they have, they, they, they were caught once and punished by UEFA. Um, UEFA punished them again. They get away with it in the court of arbitration for sport. And he wants to say, we've always been regulated and we've always adhered to financial fair play. Demonstrably, they have not, at least once. Um, but also these words, if you, if you think we are wrong, go and prove it. And we, we know what's been happening with the Premier League um, and going through the British courts. And again, the same strategy from Manchester City that they were using in front of UEFA, which is refusing to provide the authorities with evidence that they had not broken the rules. Um, I think it, it's, a, it's a pretty sad state of affairs when you have the manager of a club saying, my owners tell me they've adhered to the rules. If you um, aren't happy with us having better resources 
than uh, than you do, then you must go to court and prove we broke the rules. It is our inf- information at the Transfer Window podcast that Harry Kane will, if need be, um, submit a formal transfer request to Tottenham Hotspur uh, in order to force through his move to Manchester City with uh, 14 days left of the window being open. Uh, he is determined still to make that move. However, Daniel Levy is also determined to extract the maximum value from the sale of the player in order to furnish his team with the best possible chance, obviously, of replacing him and also competing during this season. Uh, How that goes, well, you know that you'll find out first here on the Transfer Window podcast uh, with regards to Kane's future. Two two little elements in, in what Tottenham have been doing in, in the market we should add here is that they've tried to get Jules Koundé, um, who Chelsea are ahead of them for, and uh, Jules Koundé hasn't been impressed that they don't have Champions League football and the guidance I have is that Kundi would prefer Chelsea should they be able to come to an agreement with Sevilla over transfer fee in the last um, fortnight of the window to Tottenham. And they've also tried for Pau Torres at Villarreal, uh, who, whose coach Unai Emery has said that Pau has turned down that offer from Tottenham again because they can't offer him Champions League football. Um, so they're, they're quite significant deals for two of the best young de- defenders in European football, certainly two of the best defenders in La Liga. And um, Tottenham don't be- appear to be able to make them happen because of the place they find themselves in the European football hierarchy, which of course is an element in Harry Kane's um, attempts to get out of the club and get to a squad where he thinks he can win trophies. Um, it's obviously going to be a, a massive contract for Harry Kane probably the biggest of his career if he gets to City but um, that ability to compete at the the very top of the game which Abu Dhabi have bought and organised and and built a structure where they are the dominant force in English football is something that sucks the best players in Duncan you referred to at the top of the pod much uh, to my chagrin um, but I will allow you to come back and tell us briefly about um, Celtic and the striker situation that is happening at the Parkhead Club, um, one which uh, I hope, I sincerely hope, will um, improve the performances uh, that we've seen so far uh, from Celtic under their new manager. Yeah, um, well, we've done quite a lot on Odson Edward um, that Celtic would like to sell him in, in this window before they before he runs his contract down um, to its final year um, strong interest from Brighton Hove Albion um, an offer made to Celtic that Celtic rejected asking for a guaranteed fee of over £20 million I understand um, I can tell you Celtic have been working on a, one of the leading strikers, I guess, in in European football in terms of performances last season, um, Jurgis Yakumakis, Greek international, who is at 
um, Vevevé Venlo um, scored 26 goals in 30 Erdovis games last season, which made him the leading scorer in the, the Dutch top tier. Um, by quite a margin, scored seven more goals than PSV's Daniel Malin, who um, has since transferred to Borussia Dortmund for 30 million euros. Um, one of the players they brought in following the sale of Jaden Sancho um, and did that for a team that was relegated. Um, so it's a remarkable goal return um, for a team that finished just a point off the bottom of the table, the Dutch table in the end. Uh, he has one more year of contract at Venlo. They are very much open to selling him and realise that they can't retain the player in the Dutch second tier. And I've, I've said on record that, that they expect he'll be sold soon for the amount we have in mind. Um, they had been valuing him at 5 million euros. I understand that they're probably likely to do a deal for, in the region of 3 million euros. Uh, they have interest from a number of areas, Belgian league uh, in Germany, Werder Bremen and Bundesliga's second tier have made a, an offer. Um, in Celtic's case, uh, interestingly, it's Ange Postacoglu, the new manager, who is uh, intimately involved in the process. I'm told he has called Yakumakis direct to explain to him what he wants him to do for Celtic, uh, the kind of football he wants to play, obviously, reputation as an attacking coach and that's something that's gone down well with Yakumakis is also the idea that he'll have a platform where he can further his Greek international career um, where he'll be able to play European football in the Europa League and and somewhere which has proved to be a successful uh, development ground for European strikers in the past and a and a platform in which he could end up moving to the English Premier League if he does well at Celtic. Um, still in negotiation stages, uh, no agreement with Venlo um, and negotiation over the salary. But um, it looks like that could be a deal that will work for Celtic. It's definitely of a, of a there's an element of attraction there for Yakumakis. It'll be interesting to see what happens with um, Edward, if they do get that replacement um, secured before the end of the window and whether he will wait um, with not much potentially with less football to play at Celtic um, to become a free agent next year and, and get a, a bigger uh, pay salary out of that or whether he will accept going to a club like Brighton um, which is obviously not the status he'd been hoping to achieve but can uh, give him Premier League football immediately and, and probably give him a, 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 a close to a guaranteed starting shirt. Just checking my Dutch dictionary here at Duncan and I see that four V's funnily enough comes first in the V section of the Dutch dictionary. Uh, so VVV <laughs> is sensational in terms of uh, it's almost like aardvark uh, in the English dictionary. And um, that's something which we shall uh, relate to the fact that we're going to go on to villain. Four, and v, hero. four V's, isn't that what Celtic strikers like given to, uh, to Rangers supporters after Old Firm games? I sincerely hope so. 
if they've scored four goals. <laughs> Which Yakumakis did twice last season, at four goals in a game twice. He, he did, but not against Rangers. Uh, but let's hope, you know, from my point of view, that that is the case. Uh, villain and hero, uh, to keep up the V uh, theme that we're having now on the end of the Transfer Window podcast, I'm going to name my villain, which none of you are going to be surprised about, and my villain is Jack Grealish, who accused Lucas Moura of diving. Now, you know, pot, kettle, etc., etc. You couldn't make it up, given that he was also booked for diving in the same incident. Jack, sort it out, son. You've also got a bit of talent, but you don't need to be doing this. And I will continue to talk about the fact that you do dive a lot unless you actually start uh, behaving properly on the football pitch. But Duncan, a much more cheery, cheery hero from you. I think that the Grealish diving is going to be interesting this season, given the, the, the quite radical change in, in law interpretation that the Premier League's introduced um, as on top of adding the benefit or a degree of benefit of doubt. Let's be more precise about it for the attackers on, on VAR and dumping the handball law, which um, we pointed out from its very introduction was going to be a disaster. They've returned basically to the 2019 stage. They've now um, kind of moved to the, the English tradition of contact as part of the game and, and instructing referees that uh, you not only have to have contact for a foul, but the contact has to have a consequence of of uh, knocking the player over, um, which I think is going to be a problematic factor throughout the season because um, they're asking for a high bar uh, for VAR to intervene um, and there's going to be a contradiction in that high bar of VAR intervening and uh referees being more lenient with their interpretation of uh, of when a contact is sufficient for a penalty or not um, and will probably significantly change the way Grealish has to operate on the pitch probably to your delight um, hero still, of the week, not, still not getting onto your hero here <laughs> hero, hero of the week is, is a player who's been accused of a few um, creative uh departures to the ground in, in the in the past himself, which is Mohammed, by, your, by yourself as well. Which is Mohamed Salah. <laughs> and uh, managing to score on the opening day of a Premier League season for the fifth consecutive season. Um, a beautiful goal, really well struck goal that he took in a game against Norwich City where he also managed to be credited with two assists. One, one albeit for a miscontrol in the area after a Virgil van Dijk foul um, which probably benefited from this new interpretation of the laws that the Premier League has brought in. But um, I, after a, a period in which we have discussed whether Mohamed Salah might be moving elsewhere and where the opportunities which were most likely to be Paris Saint-Germain haven't uh, appeared for him, um, he's had a proper break this summer and uh, could be a very effective force in a Liverpool side who do have 
they've received a lot of criticism for not recruiting aggressively this summer, um, but they may actually benefit from that in that they, they have players who know each other, know how to operate um, in the Premier League, and quite a lot of them have had a decent break this summer in which to uh, to go again at, uh, at the, taking the title off Manchester City. Oh, big statement there from Duncan Castles. Everyone taking the title away from Manchester City, who, of course, lost on the opening day of the season. But I'm not concerned that that necessarily has a lot of uh, significance uh, going forward. Uh, What is significant is that going forward, the Transfer Window podcast will bring you the news before it becomes news, as we have done today and have done consistently over the course of this window. Please get in touch and engage with us on our social media channels, which of course are at Transfer Podcast on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Duncan is at Duncan Castles. I'm at GarboSJ. You can also... Uh, find us on YouTube. Just search for Transfer Window Podcast. That's been the first podcast of the week. Uh, and we say stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. And we'll be with you again at the end of the week. <laughs>